Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. This is TalkSport Daily. Hello, I'm John Jackson and welcome to the latest episode of the TalkSport Daily Podcast, where we start yet again with Tottenham as the Harry Kane saga continues. Now, in order to force a move away from the club, he didn't turn up at pre-season training on Monday and you'll never guess what. He didn't turn up on Tuesday as well. The former Tottenham boss Harry Redknapp can't see Daniel Levy budging over Kane's price tag. We'll also hear from a League Cup winner with Spurs in Tom Huddleston. But this is Darren Bent and why going on strike just won't solve anything. Yes, I 100% understand his frustration. He wants to move. He's, he's made it abundantly clear he wants to leave. But I think there's the right way to go about things. And unfortunately for me, he's at a club where he can kind of sulk and not turn up to training. That won't soften Daniel Levy's kind of stance on it. He won't suddenly go, you know what? This guy's becoming too much of a problem. I'll let him go. He'll just have him sitting there because he's still got... How many years he's got left on his contract? Sure he's, he's got a long time left. I think it's 2024. Yeah. So he'll just have him sitting there. So... Yeah. Yes, of course, he should be turned up to training because he's got to honour his contract, but I do understand his frustration. If Harry Kane does go on strike for a couple of weeks and then the sale goes through, he turns up to Man City, he's, he's not fitting, he's not up to speed for the first couple of months of the season, then that doesn't benefit him in the long run either. You wouldn't have expected that. You know, I'd, I'd have thought he'd have just turned up and, and sort of had a meeting with Daniel again. I'm sure his advisors are meeting with Daniel anyway and got it sorted out. Yeah, I, I was a bit surprised. Not the best way to go about it, really. You know, he's, he's, he's so loved at Tottenham. It'd be a shame if that got spoiled. He shouldn't do because of what he's done and how much he's been... Much he loves the actually loves the club, but he just feels I think now it's time to move. Unless Daniel gets the money he wants, it ain't gonna happen. And if he wants 160 million, if someone's offering 130 million, 140 million, they're not gonna get him. Daniel won't budge. If you're a good agent, you put in a buyout yeah. clause. You put in two years' time. If someone comes in with 100 million, you can go. If someone comes in with 150 million, you can go. You have to think about these things as an agent. That's your job. You can't then go back and say, well, you know, it's like schoolboy stuff. Oh, you promised me this. You know, Daniel Levy said this, and no, he didn't. Harry Kane said this. It's like, come on, grow up. You're talking about multi-million, billion-pound businesses going, yeah, but, you know, down the, you know, down the pub when we had a couple of pints. And you said that I could leave if we get such and such. And come on, that's not that's not how you do contracts. I remember being at Spurs, the same kind of situation where Berbatov wanted to go to Manchester United, and I think he went on the last day. And yeah, he was a little bit subdued. I mean, he was always subdued around the training <laughs> ground, Berber, but he was a little bit more subdued. And you can understand at the time, Manchester United were the best team in the country. They wanted him to be their their centre forward. I can understand why he wanted to go. So us as teammates, we said, well, we kind of get it, but it's still a little bit 
difficult in terms of how far does Harry Kane is willing to go. I think Berbatov would have gone all the way to force that move to Man United. I think he would have done everything he could to get out. I don't think Harry Kane would do that because, yes, he's missed the first day of training, but can I see him just completely sitting out and just not playing? I can't see him doing that. Anthony Taylor, the referee for the Euro 2020 match that saw Denmark's Christian Eriksen collapse with a cardiac arrest, said he knew straight away that he was in a serious condition. Taylor says the true heroes that night were Eriksen's international captain, Simon Kier, and the medical staff who gave the stricken into midfield at CPR, which ultimately saved his life. As a referee in an international tournament, your, your ultimate responsibility is to look after the safety of the players. On that particular situation involving Christian, I, I was fortunate that I was pretty close and I was looking at him. I could see his face. I could see he was in some distress. I could see how he, he just didn't fall as you would expect if you were falling to the floor normally. And it just means that in your in your head, you, you know what you need to do. You need to react quickly. But if you put any of the 19 referees at the tournament in the same position as me, most would react in exactly the same way. And Christian Eriksen has collapsed in a heap and you could see the concern on the Denmark players immediately calling over the medical staff. The real people who deserve credit are Simon Kier, the captain of Denmark, and the, and the medics who, who provided the, the treatment on the field. Of course, it's important that, that I reacted quickly because that, that speed can help somebody's chances of surviving. But you know, it's, it's nice to be praised, but that's really what my job is in that situation. Now, players from all 20 Premier League clubs say they'll continue to take the knee as a symbol of their unity against all form of racism. On TalkSport, presenter Hugh Woosencroft spoke about why the gesture right now is more important than ever. All the conversations that we've had at home watching TV, maybe listening to the radio, are not the same as being in the stadium, seeing the players of your club take a knee, and if people in the stadium do boo, the ability to have a conversation with those people, strong words might be exchanged, I don't know, but you might be able to open up the minds of some of the fans of your club because you come from the same community to share your experiences in the pub or wherever you go before a game, the restaurant, wherever it might be, or walking out of the ground afterwards to discuss these things with the people that support the same club as you, who might have been born and raised in the same area as you, so that you can share your experiences, so that they have a better understanding as to why the players are taking a knee. I think it's actually more important now, because the fans are back, that the players continue to take a knee. Dean Saunders thinks Newcastle should offer manager Steve Bruce a new contract after the work he did to keep the club up last season, despite apparent criticism of his tactics from Magpie striker Callum Wilson. And after Wilson's comments about coach Graham Jones being more tactically aware, Darren Bent has said that his old boss should be annoyed by Wilson speaking out. Well, I think the tactically aware line doesn't help matters. But in some respects, Callum Wilson might be talking from himself, his own perspective, because to be fair to Steve Bruce, he's had a very couple of very good coaches. I remember being at Sunderland with him and he had Eric Black. Now, I probably worked better with Eric Black than Steve Bruce. Steve Bruce was still a very good manager for me. I still then wouldn't come out and say, yeah, Eric Black tactically is more aware than, than Steve Bruce. I just think when, when you come out of that one line, it's different if you're saying, listen, I get on better with Graham Jones. He's helped my game a little bit more, whereas Steve Bruce has got his strengths, but Graham Jones, me and him have got a kind of connection where he's helped me do this and helped me do that. That's fair enough. And it's turned in by Callum Wilson, a debut goal for the £20 million man. But the moment you say, yeah, he's a little bit more tactically aware and that we should start this season 
better tactically than we did last season before Graham James got there. Quite frankly, if I'm the manager, I'm thinking, well, he doesn't think I'm up to scratch. You look at Callum Wilson's comments, if you're the manager, I don't think you could be happy with them comments. I mean, he gets criticised for the team not playing attractive football, but I think he deserves a new contract for this working with Mike Ashley. He deserves a new contract. Just for that alone. Well, he's got his hands tied. Early free kick taken, and Newcastle in the ascendancy with an early goal, and the ball is shipped in by Dwight Gale. The speculation is he's set to be handed a new three-year deal uh, at Newcastle. And that is despite the fact, it's fair to say, that the majority of Newcastle fans aren't quite enamoured by Steve Bruce. But you think he deserves it? Yeah, well, he's a Newcastle fan and I've been there. You know, I worked there. It's a great club, great supporters, really enthusiastic. I mean, as friendly as you could imagine, any club I've ever been at, I was treated there brilliantly. They demand the team goes at people, but I mean, that's sort of been squashed a little bit because they got relegated and then Benitez took over and played 4-5-1 and now Steve Bruce has ended up with the job and similar he's setting the team up not to lose most games and having a go at teams he thinks he can beat and he's not shopping in the top shelf he's shopping three stores down somewhere to try and get his players so he's been given the minimal amount of money and if he keeps Newcastle in the league I think he's done a good job. The TalkSport Network is the home of EFL coverage this season, starting with West Brom versus Bournemouth on Friday. It's live on TalkSport 2. New West Brom manager Valerian Ishmael spoke about hoping to bounce back from relegation straight away and Mateus Pereira's messy contract situation. My focus is on the on the player, on the game against uh, against Bournemouth and my expectation and my player is they come back to work every day with 100% commitment. They have a contract, so they need to do the job properly for them first. They, they, they get money for, for this and we have to make sure that we create that work ethic. This is my job after to take uh, to take decision, but at the minute I'm just focused on the, on the guys who work really hard the last five weeks to be ready for the game against Bournemouth. Hello, I'm Laura Woods and this is TalkSport Daily. Now, last night in the third qualifying round of the Champions League, Stephen Davis scored with the last kick of the game to give Rangers a lifeline against Malmo. His deflected strike was in the fifth minute of injury time and reduced the deficit to 2-1 after the first leg. After the game finished, manager Stephen Gerrard spoke to the media. From my perspective, obviously very disappointing with our defending. I think we lost our way as a team for four or five minutes. When we conceded the first, it's important that the, the leaders in the team get control and, and, and stay stay calm. But we lost our way twice in a short space of time. And at this level, with, with good players, you get punished. But I think there's a real important moment in injury time. You know, that, that's gone in our favour, which sets up a really exciting game next week at Ibrox. On to Team GB's Jason Kenny, who's equaled Bradley Wiggins' record for the most decorated British Olympian of all time. The cyclists both have eight medals each after Kenny was part of the GB squad, which took the team sprint silver yesterday. And there were two more golds, this time in sailing, with Giles Scott successfully defending his Finn title. It all happened on a memorable day at Tokyo 2020. As Team GB, we've owned this medal since 2000. It started with Ian Percy and then Ben Ainsley and myself. And I'm super, you know, I'm elated that I was able to hold up my end and close it out. You know, we can, uh, as Team GB, we can close a chapter in the history books in the Finn class as um, Olympic champions. 
England begin their five-test series against India today and their greatest ever bowler, James Anderson, needs just three more wickets to get another big milestone. If he gets those wickets, he'd go ahead of legendary spinner Anil Kumble and become the third-highest wicket-taker of all time. We'll hear from Anderson's former teammate, Steve Harmison, but first, the man himself, Jimmy Anderson, and how his wife convinced him not to retire after the 2019 Ashes. There it is! <laughs> Jimmy Anderson! The minute that Shubman Gill goes to 50, he follows it by losing his off stump to the master. A big reason I'm still playing cricket is my wife. She uh, she wants me to keep playing. She encourages me to keep playing. She's quite happy to not be around the house, I think. So she's she's been really supportive. And if there's ever been low points, I remember 2019 sticks out and I pulled my calf in the first Ashes test. And it was a sort of second or third time I'd pulled the calf and I was really considering whether I wanted to go through the rehab again. And she basically took us away on holiday and told me to stop being silly and carry on. So I think it's important just having that support network so you can get away from the pressure uh, have a good sounding board around you and that, that support is absolutely key. That is Jimmy Anderson's 600th test wicket. I know we turned 39 last week, but Broad and Anderson will be licking their lips as well, mind. They'll be licking their lips and Jimmy will hide the duke ball. He knows he knows how to move it. He'll hide at one side of the wicket and say, right, I'm going to let you hit the ball when I want you to hit the ball rather than you hit the ball. Me, I've been around a long time. I know what I'm doing in these conditions. So it's not going to be as easy as people think that India are just going to come out and blast it because if they can get Pajara in and out as, as it's moving, you know, history has shown that if you get Kohli in, in England, when the ball moves, you've got a good chance of beating India because you can knock them over. Well, that's it. Thanks for listening on the TalkSport app or wherever you get your podcasts from. There will, of course, be another one of these TalkSport daily podcasts out first thing in the morning. The clue is in the word daily. Until then, stay safe, everyone. Stay safe. That was a podcast from TalkSport.